Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday Morning Podcast. Today's sermon is entitled Lamb of the House by student pastor Brad Wilkinson. I'm going to do my best this morning to shift our focus and turn our hearts and our minds towards that line of thinking, to thinking about mom and dad, to thinking about the home, to thinking about family, and try to prepare us for the season that we're about to go into, and rightfully so, honoring moms and dads and honoring family, because family is important. The home is important. The way that we bring our children up matters, and the things that we do in our homes and the way that we act is important. And so I just kind of felt the Spirit just kind of leading me in this direction, and I, I'm excited to preach to you um, this morning. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12. We'll start with verse number 1. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse number 1. If you have your electronic Bible with you, uh, you can follow along there, the Version app has the scriptures and some notes in there for you as well. Verse number one says this, Then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and he said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had brought up and nourished, And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and he prepared it for the man who had come to him. Verse number 5, so David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore fourfold for the lamb, because he did this thing, and because he had no pity. For the next few minutes, and I won't be long today. I want to preach to you on this subject, the Lamb of the House, the Lamb of the House. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be in your house, the fact that we have the freedom to come and lift you up and to worship you. God, we don't take that lightly. So today we ask that you would do something radical in us, that you would do something life-changing in us, that you would open our hearts and our minds for what you have for us in this moment, that when we would leave here in just a few minutes, that somehow, however you choose to do it, God, that you would take the words from my mouth and that you would begin to mold them and help our hearts and our minds and let us leave here differently than when we came in this morning. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. The David, right, that we're dealing with in this story is not the same David that we first hear about. The David who would dance and worship and praise. The David who would love God and dance before God. 
Now, in these later years in David's life, David is completely different. He's changed, if you will. He has become powerful. He's become the king of Israel. Now, David has everything and anything that you can imagine. But he's not the same David. Not the same David. In fact, he's stolen another man's wife named Bathsheba. And not only did he do that, but in his lustful rage, he had her husband killed so that he could have her as his wife. The same man who had a passion for God at one time in his life, and now he's the king, and he's lied, and he's trying to cover it all up, and he thinks that he's gotten away with it. But God, you know God, he's, all, he's always messing up our plans. He speaks to the prophet Nathan. And he says, Nathan, listen. I'm going to need you to go over to David. And just let him know that I'm going to deal with that secret thing in his life. Okay? Gotcha. Okay, Lord. Can you picture Nathan... Walking to the palace, he's the king, mind you. Okay, okay. can you picture yourself walking to the White House? Excuse me. Little uh, nerve-wracking, perhaps. How am I going to get David to listen to me or understand? How am I going to get... Through to him, if I'm even able to get through the doors, first of all, what am I going to say to convince him to even get face to face to tell him, hey, God's about to deal with you? That's a tall order. And so he begins to come up with this idea. He he, he comes up with this, this story and he says, you know, I know, I know. I've got it. I I know exactly what I'm going to. I'm going to tell David a story. I'm going to tell David a story about a man and a lamb. Hoping that somehow it will bring David back to his, his boyhood and his childhood and his younger teenage years. When all he had was a lamb. When he didn't have a lot of money, a man and a lamb. And so the Bible says that Nathan walks into the palace. And because of David's deep respect for Nathan, Nathan is allowed through the doors. He's a man of God. And so David says, Nathan, why have you come to see me? Like what? This is awkward for you to be here. I mean, I let you in. Now, uh, what do you need, Nathan? What's going on? I got places to go. I got people to see. I got things. I mean, I've got speeches to make. You know, we got people to conquer, that kind of deal. I'm kind of a big deal around here. And you just stop in unannounced. But I got time for you. What do you need? And Nathan says, David, I want to tell you a story. So David says, okay, Nathan, tell me 
a story. And so he begins and he says, there, there once were two men who lived in a city. He begins to break the story down for David. Two men, one was rich and the other was a poor man. They both lived in the same city and although they spoke the same language, there was a massive difference between the two men. And then he continues and he says, let me tell you about the rich man first. The rich man, David, had, had many, many exceeding herds of flocks. He had resources that exceeded his needs. He lived in luxury and he lived in wealth. He had shepherds on his payroll. And he had thousands and thousands of sheep and camels and oxen. And anything that you could imagine, he had it at his disposal. If he didn't have it on the grounds, he could call for it and it would be his because he was the king and he was the man. He had a name that was recognized in his community. He had prestige and favor and popularity, wealth and fame. He had it all. King, this man had it all. But you have to understand in this moment that David doesn't realize that Nathan is talking about him. And of course, David is leaning in on the edge of his seat because he started out with absolutely nothing in his life. And an interesting passage in 2 Samuel chapter 8 and verse 13 says something very interesting. It sums up where he has come from to where he is, this, this poor, humble shepherd boy to now the king of Israel. And it says this, and David made for himself a name. And David had made for himself a name. I, I wonder how many of us in here strive every day. We get up on Monday. We get up on Tuesday striving to make for ourselves a name. Trying to accrue as much wealth and as much stuff and as many things as possible. So that at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you can look back and say, I have made for myself a name. Hey son, hey daughter, hey wife. Our name is powerful, prestigious, and wealthy. He made for himself a name and he's famous and he has, he has it all. Literally, right? Children's books are being written about David. How he fought Goliath, how he's outperformed all of his peers. He's a, he's a famous legend in his own time. They're even writing songs about David. The kids are singing songs in school. Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. The parents are naming their kids the most popular name of the time, I'm sure, of which was David. He had gotten himself a name. Good job, David. You did it. You're powerful, right? This man in the story, excuse me, you're powerful. You got it all, sir. But in the same city where this powerful, prestigious, wealthy, very popular man lived, there was another man who we know as the poor man. He lives in insufficiency every day. He has a hand-to-mouth 
existence. He knows nothing but scarcity and poverty. His children grow up in a home where they know what it's like to go without and to not have the pleasures of life and everything, the luxuries of life. They just get by with what they have. This poor man is unknown. This poor man doesn't run in any social circles. This poor man is given absolutely no honor. He is seemingly extremely unimportant. And even though they live in the same city and breathe the same air and talk the same language, their worlds are totally far apart until one day their two lives overlap, the poor man and the rich man. And it happens when the rich man has a traveler, a guest coming through town, and he wants to prepare a special meal for this guest. And rather... This is interesting, rather than turning to his hundreds of shepherds and his thousands upon thousands of sheep, instead of taking one of those thousands, he goes to the poor man's house and he takes the only lamb that the man had. He has it killed, he has it dressed, and he he cooks it and feeds it to the traveler. He slays it and kills it and thinks absolutely nothing of it even though he had thousands of his own. If you've been around church for any length of time, you'll be familiar with what I'm about to tell you, but maybe you're, you're new to faith or maybe you're, you're checking this Jesus out. Anytime in the word of God when you hear the word lamb is to be associated with Jesus. Whenever we hear the lamb, you you can interchange it, right, with with Jesus. And so when I hear the word lamb in the story, my interest is is automatically piqued. Exodus chapter 12, verse 3 says this, that every man, every man must present a lamb. Every man needs a lamb, and the scripture continues, and it says that every household needs a lamb, or every family, if you will, on the day of atonement, had to bring a lamb for the house, not just for the individual man, but there had to be a lamb for the house. There were two things that were required. The Bible says that when a colt would be born, and it was the firstborn under the old covenant, you either broke the neck of that little colt, or you took a lamb. And you slew the lamb. When a firstborn son was born, the Bible says that you had to offer a lamb for every firstborn child of every house. And that's exactly why Jesus rode a colt into Jerusalem. He was the lamb of God riding on a colt. He was going, right, so that you and I didn't have to be broken by our sin and devastated and destroyed by our sin. He was going to pay the ultimate price as the Lamb of God. Can I pause for just a moment? You can get by without the birds of the air. 
You, you may can get by without the fish of the sea and some of the animals that roam on the earth. But sir and ma'am, you cannot get by without a lamb. You, you have to have a lamb. You have to know the lamb. You have to be connected to the lamb. You may not need the, the birds. You may not need the fish. But I promise you, you need a lamb. You need to be connected to a lamb. You need to know the lamb. Every man, every household needs a lamb. Without a lamb, there is no life. And now that we understand, right? Now that we understand, this is... This is more than just a simple story that Nathan is, is telling David. It speaks to us about the lamb. Watch this. The, the rich man had exceeding flocks. The poor man had nothing in contrast except, what? A lamb. He had no prestige, he, he had no wealth, he had no flocks, he had no property. The only tangible thing that he had, the only thing that he could say at the end of the day when he came home from work, at the end of the year, the only thing that he could stand in front of his family and say is, I've got a lamb. Uh, I know it may not seem like much, but, but family, this is what I have. I, I, I've got a lamb. I, I may not be able to give my family everything that I wish I could give them, but if I can just give them a lamb at the end of the day when I come home, at the end of the year, if I can stand before my family and say, listen, I may not have much. I may have worked as hard as I can work to accomplish all that I can accomplish to give you everything that you've ever wanted and somehow life just didn't work out for me the way that I thought it would. But son, daughter, honey, I love you so much and all I have to give to you today is a lamb. I will be as successful as I've ever needed to be. If I could stand before my children, before my wife, say, honey, when we're old, hopefully one day, holding hands, playing chess, in rocking chairs, I don't know, hopefully a, recli a recliner so I don't have to actually rock, I can just lay there. And say, honey, listen, we may not have been able to give Windsor and Caroline the car that they wanted. We may not have been able to give them the education that they wanted. We may not have been able to give them the riches and the luxury of life. But listen, looking back on life, we can hold hands and say, you know what, you're right. But guess what? We were able to give them a love for the Lamb. If I can somehow convince my children, if you can somehow can convince your family to have a relationship with the lamb. If the lamb can be in your house, if the lamb can be loved and longed for, if my kids can be bonded with the lamb, that's all I can ask for. 
It's greater than any inheritance. It's greater than any college education. And I'm for it and I hope my kids and your kids get the best that there is. But there is nothing greater than you and I that we can leave for our kids than a love for the Lamb. There's nothing greater, moms and dads, that you can do for your children than introducing them to the Lamb. To giving them an opportunity to fall in love with the Lamb. You can't fall in love with the Lamb for them, I get it, but if you can introduce them to the Lamb, if you can give them the opportunity to know the Lamb, you have done something amazing at the end of the day. you're doing that today moms if you're doing that today dads if you're doing that today single parent you are a success congratulations this man was probably feeling down about himself but the truth is And maybe this is more for me because I feel like in my 32 years of living over the last few months, I feel like God just working me over, man. Just saying, Brad, listen, you're in your prime, you know, you're, you're supposed to just be crushing it out there. Just, ah. And sometimes, right, let's be honest, we get home and we're wondering, did, we, did I really do anything significant today? Did I make a difference today? Did I make an impact today? And there's times that we go through life and we feel like we're not able to do what we want to do for the people that we love the most. And in turn, we feel like failures and we feel like losers and we feel like our children will never really want to know us and be around us because we couldn't give them everything that they wanted. And it was as if God just said, Brad, you got to stop. Stop right where you are because I understand that you want to do all that. I understand that you want the best and you want the greatest and you want to provide. But listen, if you can just instill in your family a love for me, I will take care of the rest for you. If you can get them to fall in love with me, listen, I'm going to give you everything that you need. If you can get them to fall in love with me, if you can present the lamb to your children... did this man's family love the lamb the bible shows that his family loved the man the lamb so much that it wasn't just some pet to them read, read the story they they took the lamb this is weird it's in your bible though it's not me making it up they took the lamb and they moved it into the house i got two kids that's all I need in my house. I got toys everywhere. Tripping on them in the kitchen. Hurting my toes. What's the lamb? What are you going to leave in my house? I don't need to step in that lamb. Take that outside. But the lamb moved into the house with them. The Bible, watch, the Bible says that the lamb ate at their table. Imagine your lunch today at Schlotzky's, okay? When you leave here, you're going to go so you can get home and get the kids to bed. I know. I, trust me. I know. Come on in. 
Get in the car. At your house. Tonight for dinner. Daddy's got a chair. Mama's got a chair. Junior has a chair. Little baby girl's got a chair and she's just spilling food all over herself. And the lamb has a chair at the table. That's what the story says. They were all eating at the same table, but it gets slightly more awkward than that. Your Bible says that they drank from the same cup. When my four-year-old drinks from the same cup as me, there's more stuff at the bottom of my cup. I'm like, listen, bub, you just keep that drink, son. I want to bless you with that whole Coke. You just drink it all. I'll get my own, buddy. I love you that much. I don't want to die from whatever's in the bottom of that drink right there. So they would pass the cup around. Daddy would, mama would take a drink. Everything's good. The son would, you know, spill some of it because that's what kids do. Daughter would drink it. And then there's the little. (laughs) They ate and they drank from the same table and the same cup. Everybody takes a sip. What is this about? It's weird. No, it's not really. This is about same table communion, same cup. This is my cup that is shed for the remission of sins. This is my blood. Communion means common union. They're spending time together. The family had a love for the lamb. This lamb was not isolated from the family. He was not a pet that, um, that they went to see on Sunday and perhaps on Wednesdays and petted him a little while and then went back to their life on Monday acting as if they really didn't need the lamb. No, no, no. This lamb... This lamb was more than a pet at a petting zoo. This lamb was a part of the family. This lamb was integrated into their house. More than just a, hey, I got you, baby. Your your fur looks good or whatever they have. Let's comb that. Get the fleas and ticks and whatnot out of there. Hey, Jesus, you know, I'll come on Sundays when, sometimes when I, can, when I can, you know what I mean? It's kind of a crazy world out there. And I'll just, I'll pat you. I love you, Lord, and I lift my life. Man, great job today, Jesus. Man, I'll see you next week. And we go about our life on Monday and Tuesday as if he really doesn't exist talking and walking and acting. He was more, the lamb was more than a pet at a petting zoo, but he was integrated into the family. Every meal, every part of their life, every decision that was made, everything that concerned the family, the lamb was there. The lamb was a part of everything that they did. Christianity is not going to church on Sunday like a petting zoo and petting the Lamb of God for just a moment 
for about 90 minutes when we get a chance. And I love you, Lord, and I'll see you next Sunday. Hope all is well throughout the week. I hope you're okay as if he needs to be petted, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll see you next week. No, 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 you need to see me. Trust me, you don't even know. I've got, God, I've got my work week. Don't even worry about it, bro. I'm good. I mean, I'll get, I'll, I'll get enough on Sunday to get me through. That's not how it works. You need Jesus on Sunday, trust me. Yeah, we all do. But I need him more on Monday when I got to deal with those people. Right? You need him on Tuesday. You need him on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. To know the Lamb. If you want life in your house, moms and dads, single parents, invite the lamb into your house. If you want a thriving marriage, sir, if you want a thriving marriage, ma'am, you've got to invite the lamb into your house. Because what we do, right, we say, well, I've just got this one thing that if I could quit doing, our marriage would be incredible. I've just got this one vice that if I could just, if I could just get a hold on it, here's what we need to do. The core of the issue is falling in love once again with the Lamb. Knowing Jesus inside and out, knowing His heartbeat, letting Him hear your cry. And when we get that figured out, watch what happens in your situations. When you truly surrender that one thing, whatever it is, watch what he does. You want your children to honor God. The lamb needs to be in your house. I don't pretend to be anything. I've got a, an incredible sister. I think she's in the house today. We don't pretend to be anything but all that we are. I give so much honor and credit to my parents today. Because I know what it's like to come home from school and hear a praying mama in her bedroom with the door closed, praying for her children. I'm not telling you I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for her, but I guarantee you it has a lot to do with her because I'm standing here today because she was calling out for her son and for her daughter. Lamb needs to be in our house. This is incredible. The Bible says that he fed the lamb. What does that mean? The presence of the lamb was growing in the house. What are you feeding in your home, sir? What are you feeding in your home, ma'am? Something is growing in your house. There's something growing in your children, mom and dad. There's something growing. Well, what, what is growing? What are you feeding in your home? What are you giving your time to? What are you giving your talents to? Something is growing, and it's our job to make sure that the thing, the main thing that is growing in our house is the presence of the Lamb. That we walk home, our children realize that we have been praying for them. That something says, when your child goes to make that decision, that something hits them and says, wait, wait, something's not right. 
I don't need to make this choice. They may not have been praying, but guess what? There was a praying mom and a praying dad at home, and the Holy Spirit quickened them. Your prayers matter. You may not be able to give your family the luxuries of life. Maybe you can, and that's incredible. But if you can give them a love for the Lamb, you will be able to lay your head down at night with a smile on your face saying, I did everything that I could do that truly mattered for my children. Love for the Lamb. Whatever I do as a man for my family, materialistically or, or other ways, is greatly overshadowed by the real question of whether or not I have been able to transfer to my children and my family by my faith a true love for the Lamb, a passion for the Lamb. I just, I don't want to ever get to a place in life when, I'm sorry, I'm emotional today, man. I don't, I don't want to get to a place in life when, my kids look at me. My, my wife looks at me. The people that count on me look at me and say, Brad, you were awesome, man. I mean, you preached great on Sunday. It was awesome. You, yeah. You gave us everything that we needed. You were, you were able to be that friend. You were able to be that dad. You were able to be a great husband and provide. But we don't really know Jesus. I never want that to be said about me when, when my day comes, whenever that is. I want it to be said. If it's the only thing that's said, I want it to be said that my dad, that my husband, that my best friend, you know what he did? He showed the love of Jesus Christ every single day. And because of that, my life was changed. Because he knew the lamb, I now know the lamb. And I'm going to teach my children to know the lamb. And their children to know the lamb. You see, knowing the lamb impacts more than just you. It impacts more than, than just your children. But it goes to your great-grandchildren and your great-great-grandchildren. Because you knowing the lamb could be the domino effect that radically changes your family tree. Will the lamb be a part of your family? Our children growing up with the lamb. The lamb was most definitely a part of this family. They smelled like the lamb. The atmosphere of the home had the lamb. Everything that they did when they were talking about dating or driving or school, the lamb was there. We're going to do this as a family. We're going to go here as a family. We're going to move here as a family. The lamb was always there just kind of brushing up against their leg. Hey, I'm here. The lamb was a part. Everything in our life, church ought to be centered around the lamb. It was a part of the family. You couldn't separate the lamb from this man and his family. His one asset in life. He couldn't say much, right? He couldn't, he couldn't say, he couldn't make a list of all the things that he could leave his kids and walk away. His one asset in life, 
the only tangible thing that he could say and leave his kids was, I have a lamb. That's it. But it's the most important thing that he could leave his family. See, the poor man, this is so powerful. The poor man had the one thing that King David no longer had. You see, he used to have it. He used to have this, but, but somewhere along the way, David lost it. A love for the lamb. And now, right now, he's got thousands upon thousands of shepherds. He's, he's no longer in a relationship with the lamb. He hires people to know the lamb for him. If he needed a lamb, they could bring him a lamb. And there is a difference, church. There is a difference. And that poor man had the one thing that King David didn't have anymore. A relationship, a bond with the lamb. Drink from my cup. Eat from my table. Did you catch what the Bible says? At night, the man would lay the lamb on his chest. What a picture it paints for us. Do, do you remember that David was once called a man after God's own heart? He was a man after the lamb's heart. He was so close to the lamb that it was almost impossible to get any closer. But something, somewhere along the way, maybe it was fame, maybe it was fortune, maybe it was a job, maybe it was a relationship. Maybe you can't even pinpoint exactly where it was, but somewhere along the way, this love for the lamb began to fade away, and other things were placed in front of a love for the lamb, and now he's at a point in his life where he looks back, and he has no love for the lamb. He used to have it. It was strong. It was powerful. You should have seen him dance. You should have seen him worship. You should have seen him praise God. connection with the lamb is gone now I want you to hear the end of the story David becomes so stirred suddenly the shepherd's heart suddenly this humble shepherd boy this broken vessel that that used to do anything for his God the the I hear a giant calling out against my God. And guess what, giant? I'm the man that's about to take you down. The man, David, that used to step out in faith to say, I got my God's back. His humble spirit has been awoken. And suddenly, the shepherd's heart rises up inside of him. And when he hears the story, Nathan's story, he says, stop the story, Nathan. Stop right here and listen. You've got to tell me right now who this man is. Because he will surely pay. And he will pay four times for it. And the prophet, I'm sure, hurled around with his bony little finger pointing. And you know the anointing had to just be all over him as he pointed his finger at David. David, you, sir, are that man. Suddenly his heart was smitten. And, and remember, right, the Bible said that the lamb was as a child. And the scripture says that David lost four of his kids. 
Bathsheba's son, Ammon, Absalom, and Adonijah, four for one. As Randy comes to the keys, I want to go over a a story that you're very well familiar with. You're very well versed with this, but um, let me give you a, a brief history of Passover. Passover was, um, of course, when the death angel was coming through and God gave instructions to the Israelites. If you want your family to be saved, take a lamb. And you're to take the blood of that lamb and put it on the doorpost of your house. And if there's blood, when the death angel comes, he will pass over your home. But if there is no blood, there... The destroyer, when he comes by, he will come into your house and attack. And the Bible continues to say that that for this lamb, you couldn't just go grab any lamb that you wanted to grab. You couldn't just walk out the back door and say, okay, let's go, lamb. You're next. It wasn't like that. God would not allow that to be the case. No, 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 no. It couldn't be just any lamb, a spotless lamb. He said, you are to take the lamb and keep it up in your house. Keep it up in your house for 14 days. Keep it up literally means to live in your house. The the lamb was to live in the house with the family. The lamb that was going to be offered for the sins of that family could not just be any lamb. It couldn't be the first lamb that you saw when you opened the back door. No, not at all. In fact, we were to bring a lamb that was going to be sacrificed for the family. Let's say it was for my family, the Wilkinson family. Myself and Cassidy and and Windsor and Caroline, we would gather around the table. And for the next 14 days, our family would bring the lamb And keep it up in our home. He would be at every meal. He would eat from our table and drink from our cup. He would lay in our bed at night as we sleep. There would be a a hugging and a playing with the lamb. There would be a bonding with this lamb. But but why would this... This is weird again. When we were talking about the lamb before, it was weird. And now we're talking about I'm supposed to bring a lamb to my table. Yeah, Why? Why? Because God was saying, listen closely, I don't want you when you see the lamb that is going to be slaughtered. I don't want you and your family to be disconnected from what's going on. I don't want it to just be another thing that happens. I don't want it to be something, a thought that goes in your mind and goes out very quickly. But he says, no, no, no. I want you to be connected to the lamb. I want you and I want your children to so love the lamb that when they see the precious blood shed that it won't just be some lamb to them, some tradition that takes place in our time. No, I want your children, I want your family to cry out, that is our lamb. That's our lamb that died for us, for my sin, so that I could have the opportunity. He wanted you to be, he wanted me to be, he wanted your family to be connected to the Lamb. Would you stand with me all over the house?
without his blood, we would be covered in judgment. We would be covered in sin and iniquity. But because of the Lamb, because of the the blood that was shed, everything changed. Everything changed for you and for I. I. I want... I want you, I want my children, I want your children to so love the Lamb. That when they read about the story that we read to them all the time, that Jesus died on a cross, that it would be more than just another story in another book. But they would understand because you have instilled in them a love for the Lamb. They would understand that something different has taken place here. That because of this Lamb, my life is forever changed. Without this Lamb, my family, your family, my marriage, your marriage would have absolutely no hope. But through the power and the blood of the Lamb, we are covered. Addictions have no power under the blood of the Lamb. Strongholds have to flee at the mention of the name of Jesus. There is nothing greater than the blood of the Lamb. Here's how I want to end our time together today. Listen, I don't pretend to know where you are. I don't pretend to know where your family is. But here's what I do know. That you and I cannot make it if the lamb is not in our house and that concludes today's message please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news to register for an upcoming event or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal thank you for listening